Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode 135 and the first episode of 2024. My name is Cooper Chapman and I'm so pleased you're here today because today's episode is a really special one with so much great information, a really inspiring story and yeah, just a good way to kick off your 2024. If it's your first time tuning into this podcast, thank you so much for checking it out. I have been doing this for quite some time now. We're about three years in. We've got close to 700,000 downloads on this podcast with so many incredible guests to look back on, over 134 guests. So go back, check out some of the other catalog. There's some really, really special conversations with a lot of value to be had. So go through the list, have a look for a topic that might interest you and listen to somebody else's story after you listen to this episode today with Rory Warnock. Also, if you want to learn a bit more about The Good Human Factory, head over to thegoodhumanfactory.com. It's a mental health organization where I run keynotes for high school groups, also corporate groups. We've worked with companies like Apple, McDonald's, Telstra, Amazon, Red Bull over the past couple of years and yeah, I've had some really incredible feedback. So if you want to learn more about the workshops that I run, you want to learn a bit more about the podcast and a bit more just about what The Good Human Factory is, head over to thegoodhumanfactory.com. Also over there, you can find the merchandise that I do. I've been working really hard on this over the last couple of years to try and create garments that are going to start conversations, that are going to actually make a big impact in your life. So head over to the website, check out the merch, use the code podcast, you can get a big 25% off. And I've got a new challenge for the community because that's what the Good Human Factory is all about, building community and connecting curious minds with simple mental health strategies. So if you see anybody wearing the shirt or if you buy a shirt and anybody comes up to you, make sure you tell them what you're grateful for. We want to turn this into a bit of a challenge within the community. So if you see somebody wearing a Good Human Factory shirt somewhere out in the wild, tap them on the shoulder and ask them what they're grateful for. It's going to start a positive conversation for both you and the person who you ask. Also, a big thank you to our sponsors, Drink a Repper, the Brain Drink from over in New Zealand. These absolute legends have been sponsoring this podcast for a long time. They're also big supporters of Rory and the work he does. We do a bunch of work together, so it's so awesome to have them sponsoring this episode. If you want to learn more about the Brain Drink, the neuroscience that's gone into it, the effects it's going to have on both your short-term performance and your long-term brain health, head over to their website, drinkarepper.com. Use the code Good human, a massive 25% off with that code. And yeah, you can learn all about the science over there. I use this stuff every single day. Instead of having a second coffee, I drink the performance drink. Gets me super focused and good clarity throughout my mind throughout the day. So go check that out. Would love to know what you think. Okay, one last thing actually. 
This Wednesday, a few days ago, we put out our first 1% podcast for the year. So the 1% podcast is all based around giving 1% of your day to your mental health. I read out some gratitudes from the incredible people in the 1% Good Club, Instagram accountability groups, doing 10 minutes of meditation every morning, four minutes of gratitude each night, and keeping each other accountable. So head over to the Wednesday episodes, listen to the 1% pod, and yeah, I'm sure you're going to really like being part of that community as well. Okay, today's episode, Rory Warnock, far out. This guy has got an incredible story to tell. Breathwork expert, uh, ultramarathon runner, and just a guy who has so much knowledge to share. So Rory grew up over in the UK in Scotland and had a pretty interesting upbringing. A bunch of brothers, stepbrothers, and yeah, didn't really fit any felt at school. He had a bit of trouble learning and yeah, found himself a bit lost. He then took a gap year and came to Australia when he was 18 and did a PT um did a PT course and really fell in love with Australia, went back to the UK and then he studied sports science at university and just really got to learn about the brain, about the body and just how things work. Uh, From there, he went and worked for a coconut water company, got into the corporate world, but didn't really like it. And while he was in university, he found himself struggling quite a bit with his mental health, a bit of depression, anxiety, was put straight on antidepressants from a GP and just didn't really like the way it felt. And it took him a while, but he found a few other things that really helped him with his mental health and to get himself back into that healthy, happy place that we all want to be. He then found breath work and yeah, his life changed forever. In 2020, when COVID hit, uh, Rory went and with his partner at the time and moved to Australia, where he just has been ever since. And he's just been really growing his breathwork business and, yeah, helping so many people. He's worked with companies like Google, KPMG, LinkedIn, and just shared his experience, his knowledge, and the power of breath with so many, so many people and really giving them so many benefits. So I'm sure you guys are going to really love this episode. He's also an ultra marathon runner. He's done 250-kilometer race over in Peru, a multiple different 100 kilometer races and if you listen carefully towards the end of this episode I actually announce a big challenge that I'm taking on which is going to be a 100 kilometer race in the Blue Mountains later this year in May so keep an ear out for the journey of that with myself but let's jump into today's episode with Rory Warnock if you do enjoy the episode one last thing do me a favor share it on your Instagram story tag both myself and Rory I would love to see what you think of the episode leave us a little review if you listen on Apple leave us five stars if you listen on Apple or Spotify and most importantly just hit that like or subscribe button it really helps us move up the ratings and it just really helps us get more people listening to the podcast if you guys can share it with friends so thanks so much for the support I love you all I can't wait to bring you the best year yet of Good Humans podcast let's jump into today's episode welcome to Good Humans podcast Rory Warnock how you going mate I'm good mate how are you I'm very well it's been um it's been quite the fun morning we've hosted Together, a mindful morning with Drink a Rapper, a brand who has been a podcast sponsor for quite some time here. Uh, they work closely with you as well. The Brain Drink, you work in breath work and are all about trying to make people perform better. So I guess we'll open the podcast with a little a rapper cheers. Have a quick little mm. sip. Big thanks to these guys for continually supporting both of us. Cheers. Mm. And we're going to get into this chat. But man, the first thing I open all my podcasts with is... What are you grateful for in life right now? What am I grateful for in life right now? Uh, I'm grateful to be, well, I'm grateful for a lot of things. I think that's my pause of, of thought. Uh, I'm grateful to be in Australia. I, I love this country. I've been here now coming up to, well, over four years. Uh, I think it's 100% one of the best countries in the world. Even just being up here for the first time, seeing you in Gold Coast, you know, the the vast coasts and beaches uh, is just amazing. So, you know, growing up in Edinburgh in Scotland, 
it wasn't really uh, the way I grew up. So being able to live somewhere like this, I think it's incredible. Mate, it's um, it's very lucky to be here. I forgot that this is the first time they got it. We just went for a nice swim out the front of my house. I, it makes more sense now why you're so fascinated by how nice where I live is because it's like a bit different in Scotland here. Yeah, for everyone, everyone listening, I've been taking photos of everything like a, like a tourist and Coops is like, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> no, it's been, it's been really fun, but we've known each other. I didn't realise that you only got here four years ago because we met three years ago. So I guess I'll set the scene how we know each other and then We've had like a pretty cool story where we touched, we've con- continued to cross paths in different ways. But back in 2020, I was hit up by a few guys. Um, I've got a mind blank, the name Genoa and Blake. and Blake. And they did a thing called Momentum, which was like a men's activation 10 week course of, it might have been three month course where you kind of did all different things and caught up once a week. And I was invited to do it for free with them to be involved and to, um, yeah, just check out what they were doing. And you were also there, one of the people who was on the Zoom calls and we all like to kind of share a bit about ourselves. And to be honest, I kind of almost forgot you were in it because about a year and a half after we finished it, how did we connect the next time? No, you reached out to me. You DM'd me and was, said something like we should catch up. It sounds D- like we do. dirty little girl that I am DMing you. Oh, no, I love it. But then we <laughs> caught up in Bondi and had like a coffee, like yeah. went out and got some lunch and – yeah, I've kind of been mates since, I guess. The so social media mates and now you're blowing up with your breath work and yeah, I'm fascinated to hear how the story got to here. Well, I think I think with um Yeah, what's with, your experience of our friendship along well, yeah, that journey too? Yeah, I think both of us doing momentum in that men's mentorship program, you know, there's gonna be an alignment with a lot of the guys on that call on that course. And then I kept an eye on what you were doing and there's not many people who are doing what you and I do. You know, there's not many people in Australia who are pushing or supporting uh, humans with gratitude, you know, where I'm pushing and supporting humans through breathing. You know, the two very niche specific independent areas of health. Um, so I, I, I've always admired what you've been doing from afar and, and checking it out. And I think just over the past, I guess, more over the past 18 months, we've just been crossing paths more and more and more. And then uh, obviously now both working with and supporting Arepa for so many reasons, you know, now we're actually doing stuff together, which is fun. Yeah, I know, it's so cool. We did that uh, mindful morning this morning. I did some gratitude and mindfulness. You took everyone through some breath work and it was um, it was a great session. It's fun working together. We're both the same age. And like you said, just both trying to, I guess, chase after it in the world while also make the world a better place, which is generally something that I see a lot of people get to their sort of late 30s early 40s or that next chapter of life and realize oh life isn't all about making money and this it's about giving back and service and i feel like we're very lucky that we've fallen into something we're not fallen into something by design put ourselves into a place because we recognize that helping people makes us feel good so it's lovely to align with people that are very similar but this chat's gonna be fun i told you before we uh, we just went and did rigs recovery we um had a nice ice bath we had a little warm time in the steam room and we're feeling good mm-hmm. so i'm really excited for this chat and that's why I, I love these chats because i can rewind back and get to know your story for who you are you said you've been on quite a few podcasts talking about the incredible work you do with breath work and teaching people how to breathe better but you said not many people have asked you about your upbringing and that's where I'm going to come in. So let's rewind back to the start. What do I need to know about Rory up until you went to high school? That might give me a bit of an idea to shape who you were as a young kid, siblings, family life, whatever you're willing to share. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's uh, no, Like I said, I've, I've spoken to quite a few people in other podcasts and no one has ever asked me 
about my background and upbringing. So it's a very unique question, which I, I do quite quite like. Uh, well, I guess when I was three or four, my parents divorced. Um, so as parents divorced, I have one full brother with mum and dad, um, two stepbrothers, two half-brothers. So you know, there's, there's six boys in my family, uh, which naturally brings a bit of indirect or direct competitiveness as men often with, with boys and men often does. Uh, I was diagnosed with um, with depression and anxiety when I was about 21, 22. But if we rewind a little bit uh, at school, I really struggled at school with dyslexia. So I, I struggled with, um, I guess, understanding my, my purpose and, and what I was passionate about at school. I didn't really know what I was going to do. When I left school, I, I didn't even apply for university. I went to private school. Uh, I was brought up in a, um, in, in a very supportive home. Um, but I didn't know what I was going to do when I left school. Uh, so I came traveling. I actually came to Australia when I was 18. Nice. Traveled around, uh, did my personal training certifications in Sydney, then just traveled a bit of Philippines and Bali and Fiji, Cook Islands. Then whilst on my travels and, and on my gap year, my, my year away, I then applied for university, went to university in London, studied strength and conditioning science. Okay. So I, I guess I, I've always been interested in sport. Uh, and, and human human development but I never really knew where that could take me because mm -hmm. all my family worked in you know my dad was in finance my stepdad was in finance my uncles in finance so that's all I ever really knew in my my upbringing or my conditioning then you know like I mentioned with the the depression and anxiety you know I often find that through crisis growth can be found mm -hmm. and that was a, a a low moment for me from for about maybe three or four years you know for a year I was on antidepressants trying to do everything in my life can, to improve my health. I then just fell into the breathwork space. I'm going to uh, slow you up because we're going to go straight into breath. Sorry, sorry, No, sorry. no, no. You, it's amazing. I love where we're kind of like kind of bouncing around. I just want to talk about high school quickly. Mm -hmm. You said it was something that you found it quite difficult because this is something that a lot of people might be able to relate to that they oh, I was lost in high school too. But, hey, he found something that he really loves and is passionate about now. So it gives me hope. So what was high school like? You said you went to a private school brothers competitive were you into your sport what sort of subjects were you into struggling with dyslexia was there the support at the school or how did you deal with that having um yeah challenges with learning but then still being in a hyper competitive situation having brothers and that kind of life yeah no i, I appreciate going back I'll, I'll dive into that a bit more um my older brother who i love very much i love all my brothers but my older brother was the straight a student uh he represented the school at many sports and was was very into academically intelligent so i always uh uh struggled with that you know he's two years older to the day actually both have the same birthday but two years apart so i really struggled seeing that and you know that he was always doing so well and excelling but then here's here's me who was getting c's d's knees at school so i really struggled to to understand how to deal with that so then i i guess i rebelled from quite a young age as well you know when i was 14 15 i started smoking and I thought that I'd just be cool hanging out with older people um and I realized how just stupid that was but when you're young you you just do what you can to fit in and be seen I guess mm -hmm. um so well, so I didn't really yeah. sorry to, yeah. I, I didn't really I didn't know what I was going to do at school you know the the the, the you know to anyone listening and you know I know how much work you do with school so I really hope some of the kids are listening where I didn't like any uh, 
subjects. The only ones that I enjoyed were the ones that I was good at, which are PE, you know, physical education. Mm-hmm. I like things like um, design tech, design technology, where I could make things in my hands a bit more um, hands-on. I really struggled with English, with maths, with biology, you know, the sciences. So I started working from quite a young age. I started uh, doing kind of hospitality and, and catering work when I was about 16. So I really enjoyed that sort of purpose and, and making money and actually having something that I was, I was good at and I enjoyed. So I think uh, finding something that I, I could do and I could enjoy really helped. But yeah, school was, um, if I'm honest, it was a pretty tough time. Mm. It was pretty hard. And then you leave school didn't know what you want to do after school, so you're on a gap year. What was the favourite part about your gap year? Obviously, you got to travel to a few different places. You did, yeah. So when you're in Australia on your gap year, you did your P um, personal training certificate. Yeah. Uh huh. Did that in Sydney, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that gap year. What was what was that like? And the travel? Did you do it with a partner? Did you do it with friends? Did you do it solo? How's that experience? Yeah, I did it solo. Uh, Eighteen years old, just packed my bags from Edinburgh. Hadn't ever lived anywhere else. I went to the same school from the age of, I think, six years old to 18. You know, then I just uh, wanted freedom. I wanted to kind of find out who I was on my own. And mm. um, I know my parents weren't very excited for me to do it because I was pretty young. Um, but I loved it. You know, I loved the freedom that I had. I loved exploring. I loved traveling. I loved seeing all these different cultures, which I thought was amazing. And it gave me a taste of Australia. Mm. You know, then it's the... It's funny the way the world and, and the world works, society works, where it's kind of like a full circle, right? You know, I never thought I'd be moving back here and living here, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, it's wild. So you get home after your gap year. Okay, I'm going to go and study in London and do um, sports science. But then this is also the time where the depression comes in. Tell me about, so what, you started at like 1920 university? Yeah, 19. Yeah, so what led to going and seeing a psychologist and being diagnosed with depression and how hard was that to come to terms with? Yeah, well, so yeah, so I started uni at 19. I was in second year at uni when I was 20 and third year when I was 21. And third year, I knew things were changing. Uh, anxiety and depression weren't really spoken about in my house or at school at all when I was when I was at school. Was it the same as you? Yeah, 29, same age. Exactly, yeah. right. So... I didn't know what it was. I, I found myself when my mum or dad would come down to London. Uh, my dad used to come down for work. So I'd catch up and we'd go out for dinner. Mum would come down, we'd, we'd hang out. And then when they'd leave, I'd cry. Now, I'm, I'm this 21-year-old man. Uh, and why am I crying when I'm leaving my parents? What's going on? Then the, the the sadness, the emotion became more and more. And I found myself just kind of crying myself to sleep most nights. And I was thinking, well, this is strange, but I don't know what the heck is going on. So I went to the doctor, my... um partner at the time said you need to go and see a doctor and then the doctor just prescribed me antidepressants and he was like yeah you're depressed mate uh i didn't really comprehend it at the time so then i just started taking the antidepressants didn't really change my lifestyle at that moment at that time and after probably a few months of taking the antidepressants then i was like right something else is going to change Mm. start to change the lifestyle the behaviors the patterns the routines and then uh did the psychologist when you saw him give you any other options? Did he say how you're sleeping, eating, relationships, finances, anything else? Or it was just like, oh, no, you've got depression. Here's his pill. It wasn't, it wasn't a psychologist at the time. It was a GP. Oh, you wow. know? And, and it was very much, uh, you know, you can take the antidepressants and, oh, by the way, here's a flyer for CBT, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, you know, that's there as an option, but there's your, there's your pills. Mm. You know, it wasn't really spoken about. Then I started seeing psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists through my mom's help, mom's support. You know, she... Mm. 
helped me and you know drove me to people and did all the all the work kind of with me and for me so yeah it kind of took me on that journey when i was about 21 22 years old and you know now, now we're 29 right yeah tell me tell me about the um after six months you've been taking antidepressants sounds like maybe not much is really changing other parts of your life still need work on what were the next sort of stages that you took to get better and get yourself into a healthy and happy person again well, one of the reasons that I love podcasts so much and I've been wanting to have a chat with you is because I really believe podcasts helped me get out of the hole that I was in. You know, mm-hmm. I started listening to self-help, personal development, and I just changed my mindset. Mm-hmm. So listening to good people talk about good things that just helped my perspective, my view on life, mm-hmm. really helped uh, shape my path and my journey. So things like Tony, okay. people like Tony Robbins, people like Ed Milet, um, you know, I guess Modern Wisdom, Chris, Chris Williamson, you know, these sort of people that uh, really helped me get out of the hole, then exercising a lot more, having a better uh, uh, day-to-day lifestyle and waking up at a good time, going to bed at a good time, not drinking as much, not partying as much in London, you know, just um, reshaping the life to, you know, we even, you said it earlier, but living life by design, not by default. Mm. You, know? you know, if I, if I do, what I was, do, do what I've always done, I'll get where I've always got, you know? Mm. So you just got to shape, and shake things up just to 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 suit you and to suit me and suit my my life because you know it's me against me right yeah so what are you doing for work here you kind of dealing with depression you got um, a uni degree that you're probably getting very close to finishing what did you think after uni work was going to look like where did you want to go what sort of industry did you think you were going to find yourself in started to get a bit on top of your depression by changing your lifestyle as well as antidepressants are you still on antidepressants? No, no, I only took them for about a year. Mm, that's what I, that was the next question to be. What got you off antidepressants? What led to that? And um, yeah, what was life like post uni? Where did where'd you go once you finished that uni degree? Or did you finish the uni degree? Yeah, no, I did. I, my, my dissertation got published actually. Good on you. So we'll, uh, I'll show you that after. Yes. Um, I, because I, you know, I put so much pressure on myself at uni because I pretty much flogged school. Went to the school, it cost a lot of money, and I thought, I've just fucked this all up. But dyslexia, did you get well, got overcome that? Yeah, you got I got support. a bit of support, but it, you know, it's um, I just put so much time into into university, yeah. and, and I, I buried myself in the library. I wanted to get a 2-1 overall. I'm not sure if there's the same grades here in Australia, but a 2-1 overall, and I wanted a first in my dissertation. I wanted to get published, and I got that. So it's almost like the, the, the confirmation bias, right? Yeah. But is it a positive or negative confirmation bias where... I worked my ass off for something. I got that thing, but then the depression got horrific. Mm. So after uni, I thought I was going to be a strength and conditioning coach, work for in professional sport, rugby, whatever it may be. Then all my friends were moving into the corporate world. I realized that in professional sport, uh, in your first year moving into it as an SNC coach, you get paid peanuts and it's not enough to even live in London. So it wasn't really feasible financially. Then I saw everyone going into corporate. So I thought, well, you know, that's worked for my friends, worked for my family. Well, maybe I just do that too then. Worked in consumer good sales uh, for a coconut water brand for a few years, account management. Um, and I just, you know, it was fine at times. I found it quite exciting. I liked the brand aspect and like selling, but I didn't really have much purpose and passion with it. It wasn't really my thing. Did you feel like pissed off? Not pissed off, but like, oh, I've done this full degree. I, I always struggle when I see somebody do like a multiple year degree. And then go into a job that doesn't use a degree. I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think you know, having use it across all your life. Yeah, man. Like, you know, and, and again, the whole full circle thing, where 
with that three-year degree, I now use it so much as I, I talk about, you know, physiology within the body, within mm. respiration, talk about nervous system, you know, with, with the running that I do, I understand biomechanics, I understand, mm. I understand the muscles in the body. So, you know, I'm grateful that I, that I did it. Um, at the time when I moved in corporate, it served me in zero purpose at the time, but mm. now it's, uh, now I'm happy I did it. But, uh, yeah, it's funny the way, the way the way the world works. Yeah, so corporate coconut water for a couple of years, account management, making that all happen. <clears throat> when does breathwork come into your life? Yeah, breathwork was twenty eighteen. In twenty eighteen, um, I went to a breathwork session. Which was recommended to go uh, by uh, an ex girlfriend. We did this session, and there's I had an out of body experience. It was one of the the, the best moments of my life. I remember I just sat up, sat up on the mat. We just looked at each other and I, I just smiled. Now, I was in a pretty low moment, low time in my life. Still on antidepressants at this time. You know, so I just started smiling. And I was like, I've never felt like this ever. The, the, the joy, the, the calmness, the clearness, the happiness, the, the strength, the power. You know, being an emotional man, as someone who, who used to cry a lot and still does cry quite a bit. You know, I'd never felt that much joy and so full. So then I became hooked, became obsessed, started going to you know, three or four sessions a week in London, just practicing all the time. And I was like, this is working. So then I stopped taking the antidepressants, changed the lifestyle, was practicing breathwork all the time. And, uh, and you know, then I came to Australia and was like, well, could I go full time into breathwork or do I go back into the world of consumer goods, corporate and, you know, sell my soul for another how many years? And I, I chose the, the former. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the education that comes with breathwork, what that period was like from learning about breathwork, educating yourself enough to be able to teach it and start a business in it. And at the same time, transitioning out of working in a corporate role and moving countries, obviously very multifaceted, but talk me through that period, the 12 months before coming to Australia, what it took education wise, leaving your job. How difficult was that? Yeah, a bit going on, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very multifaceted question, but you get the gist. No, how did of course, you, man. Yeah. How did you transition and get to Australia? No, it's a great question. then we'll go deeper into the breathwork side of stuff. I just wanted to spend 20 minutes setting up your story and then we can get some good science and stuff and we'll also talk about your running. But, yeah, tell me that chapter from finding out about breathwork to getting to Australia. Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that I just haven't really thought uh, about that that year for a while. So I, I, I left a full-time role in consumer goods. I had a fairly good network in London and I started freelancing for two or three different brands. At that moment, I was charging a daily rate and I was working three days as opposed to five days. So I was working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I was getting paid more for the three days and five day work. So that also gave me a bit of a taste of freedom. And I thought, so I can just work three days and get paid more money working three days and five days. And I can use Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to work on my, myself, work on my own health. I was doing online courses. I did online courses with Yale, did online courses with Harvard. You did the science of all being. I, I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, did, I did that. I remember sitting in cafes and, and pubs in London with my laptop and, and doing these courses. So I spent that time just to upskill and just to learn about the brain, the body, you know, mindset. And then uh, and then when I when when my my ex and I decided to make the jump and come to Australia, we thought, well, where, where is my happiness and what do I, I love? And I, and, and I knew I wanted to move into the, the breathwork space. Wow. And then what was the education to get into becoming a breathwork instructor? Because there's so many different versions of breathwork. What was the one that you first got introduced to? 
just uh, like I mean the, the first was kind of with Wim Hof yeah you know is that was a gateway right uh then I looked into oxygen advantage so I'm certified with with Patrick McCoon and the oxygen advantage um I do a little bit of that but so much of my practice and what I what I coach guide host facilitate is very much um from experience mm-hmm. you know I've done this for five or six years now I've, I've worked with a huge range of clients patients teams businesses and and I've explored so many different methods, modes, modalities of breathing. And over time, you get subjective and objective measurements, right? And I find what works. So, mm-hmm. you know, my, my style isn't Wim Hof. It's not holotropics, not rebirth. It's, it's my own way of doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the the augmented effect of the science of sound, so the music that I play, plus the evidence-based breathwork for the process to create the overall outcome is, is quite powerful. Mm. And you probably noticed that this morning with the, the music, right? And yeah, I love your sessions. Your sessions are fun. It's like you feel like, yeah, the different songs that you put on just feels like you're in this journey. It takes you like this whole new space. So, yeah, you're one of the only ones that I've had the music the way you do it. It definitely takes you on quite the journey. No, and I, I appreciate you you're noticing that. And I, I put a lot of time, effort into finding the right tracks and you know we even spoke earlier about working with one of our good friends Stu from one half of Setmo you know to create unique music unique sounds in the studio so we're, we're creating you know certain sounds for certain brain waves to tap into to to relaxation response and and there's so much that can be done with sound but I, often what I found as a as a uh, as a guest or as a participant when I went to breathwork sessions it was very shamanic and I think that's quite old school that's quite mm-hmm. old-fashioned what you know Breathwork is 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 mainstream now. It's up and coming. You know, it's not up and coming. It's actually mainstream, should I say? Yeah. So why are we still doing it the way it used to be done? Doesn't need the spiritual connotation to it. Nah, no, there's a barrier it. to entry for a lot of people. Hundred percent, mate. You know, you know, some of the, the we're working with Google, Amazon, Canva, LinkedIn, BBC, Uber. You know, if you go to all these these companies and with a bongo drum, you know, people <laughs> people are gonna look at you like, who's this kid? <laughs> so I don't know. I try and make a modern place of music that people enjoy, people can connect with, and and have a bit more. Uh, emotion and uh, emotive to it mm. we're going to come into the science just shortly but i want to talk about now this period you moved to australia this is something that people might be able to relate to if they're like kind of traveling wanting to set up life in another country how'd you find that transition getting to a country having to build a community i'm guessing that's why doing that men's mentor thing how you met me like it's crazy i think people can be inspired by maybe let's talk about 2020 because we all know something else happened in 2020 which changed everyone's life so what was that like 2019 2024 you're trying to set up a new life partner business new business dog in a new space dog do you bring your dog over from the no, uk no. got a new okay. COVID. okay yeah he needed support yeah. so yeah tell me tell me that period how that was yeah i mean coming over with very little network you know i have uh, some of my family here um uh but you know no friends i had no job no idea what it's going to be doing. That's it's very confronting and it's very hard and it's very scary and challenging. But you know, we knew we wanted the lifestyle here, and that comes with with challenge, right? Um, again, trying to start a, a breathing business during a global pandemic that involves respiration is also another challenge. You know, with, with the lungs and breathing and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it, it was hard. But I think what what really um, what I really led into was, was community. So I, I tried to do as much as I could with mentorship programs, you know, with, um, you know, Nimbus, for example, is a sauna uh, business in Bondi. 
and we did a lot of online breath work during COVID. You know, I started hosting all these online sessions, you know, nearly daily. And sometimes I have 500 people join, you know, and so, you know, because people had time and people wanted to look after their health in a very strange paradoxical way for breath work and for my business, COVID was a good time. Same. You know, in a strange way, right? And I don't- Mental health business. Oh, mate. Like, and I don't feel comfortable saying that, but if I can, if we can support people when they need supported, fantastic. But it's just sad that people need to be supported. Yeah. But, you know, 10 people join a session. You know, I remember you and Alex joining a session at one point as well. You know, 10 people join a session, five of the, those people tell three of their mates, you know, just just spread. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the uniqueness of a Scottish voice in Australia and the music that I, I play, you know, people, uh, people, people uh, gravitate towards it. Mm. Yeah, it's been so cool to watch the journey and watch you grow and see you pop up and just like we have so many overlaps in like different little ways. Um, yeah, it's been really cool to see the growth. I want to talk about breathwork now a bit. I didn't know that you had a, um, had a degree in sports science as well, so you can probably talk to this. I mean, I'm not going to discount anyone else. I've had some amazing breathwork coaches on the podcast, but let's talk a little bit about the science behind it. For someone who's first time, like, I keep hearing about this bloody breath work. What's going on? Why is it actually helping us from the scientific side of it, physiologically? Hmm. Well, I think that's... And the easiest way you can, like, you know, you yeah, explain yeah, it. Because I, I know you've explained it very well quite a lot of times when you intro your breath work sessions, you do it quite well in a way that's digestible. Maybe just give us sort of a bit of a spiel. If someone's like, okay, why should I do breath work? What's it doing for me? So you can look at it in a few ways. Think of breath work as a reactive or proactive tool. You, know, you can use specific breathing techniques in times of stress in real time to find more calm, to feel more relaxed. You know, Kips, how do we feel when we feel stressed and anxious? The heart rate increases, respiration rate increases, your breathing rate increases. It feels unpleasant. Cortisol increases, adrenaline. But if you can consciously decide, choose how you breathe, to breathe slower, you know, like the practice you did today, a four-second inhale, with a six second exhale. By lengthening that exhale, that helped me move into more down-regulated, relaxed state. So it's using the breath essentially as an on-off switch, like for the lights, to, to slow the breath down, you're switching off the nervous system to bring it down to more relaxed parasympathetic state. So that's reactive, but also using it proactively. You know, we breathe over 25,000 times a day. So if you're breathing 25,000 dysfunctional suboptimal breaths, it'll have a lot of detrimental effects to mental health and your physical health. But if you can understand, practice, learn how to optimize those 25,000 breaths by using the nose, by breathing slower, by breathing deeper, this will actually help bring more oxygen into the tissues, binding to hemoglobin, making its way into the working tissues. This will help improve your lung volume. This will help improve your diaphragm function, that large breathing muscle, which you mentioned as well this morning. So there's a huge amount of benefits. You know, we have 12 internal systems and Often when we think of human development, you as a surfer, as an athlete, we give a lot of attention to our muscular system, our skeletal system, our cardiovascular system. Those are three systems, but we often neglect respiration, which is breathing, and in your central nervous system. Mm. So what I focus on is how can we use these two systems together, respiration system, breathing, central nervous system, which in that is your autonomic nervous system, to help us become more efficient and more effective humans. Mm-hmm. You know, I call those two the forgotten systems. Mm. So using the forgotten systems to be more human, essentially. I love that. It's like the breathing is such an interesting one. It's so automatic for everyone that we think, okay, we're just breathing. But there's a right and a wrong way to do it. Or not a right and a wrong way to do it. There's a way that's beneficial for you and a way that's 
detrimental for you. And that's what I've learned from so many different industries now, whether it be Nigel Beach back on episode 111 of the podcast, talking about all different things and how it affects the body. But one of the big things we spoke about was the breath and especially breathing through the nose and all the different functions that our nose have. I'm like, why do we not get taught this at school? Like Mm. this should be the first thing that we get taught when we're five years old. Hey guys, we breathe through our nose because it's got all these different functions that our nose was designed for as humans. And because our food's gotten softer, there's so many reasons why we've begun to breathe through our mouth. It's not our fault, but it is our responsibility to start to take back control. And it comes back to our breath. And another guest I had on, um, Rohan, I can't think of his last name, the dentist. Anyway, he was fascinating talking about how so many dental problems come from our breath. The reason like we're getting, he's like, you should never have teeth ripped out of your mouth. That's because when we breathe through our mouth, it's shrinking our mouth. We're not chewing as much. So the muscles in our face are getting smaller. So our faces are smaller. All these different cascading effects have such a negative effect on our health. And it all comes back to our breath. That's why it's so beautiful. Not only doing the breath work as a practice, but also understanding the baseline breath. Well, it's the fundamentals and the basics, right? Yeah. Do you want to give maybe from someone who understands breath really well, someone who's breathing day to day, not even breath work, what would be the correct way to breathe? Yeah, an, an optimal functional breath would be through the nose, as you mentioned, breathing light, breathing slow and breathing deep. So mm-hmm. a light breath is the opposite of a heavy breath. A heavy breath is this. So a light breath is Can't hear it. hard to see and hard to yeah. explain, right? So a light breath, slow, slowing the rhythm down, the cadence of the breath, so reducing the respiration rates, how many breaths that you take per minute, and then breathing deep into the lungs. You know, we have the highest concentration of alveoli, so gas exchange takes place deep in the lower lobes of our lungs. So if you're breathing too short, shallow, fast upper chest, a lot of that oxygen gets stuck in dead space and it doesn't actually absorb into the working tissues and you breathe it right back out. Mm -hmm. So breathing light, breathing slow and breathing deep is so important. You know, again, uh, Coops, as you mentioned there, where because it's an automatic, subconscious, involuntary action that we do every second of every day, people just assume, and I was one of those people as well before I read all the research, you know, that you just, you breathe and it does its thing, right? But you can compare it to nutrition, food. You know, you can choose to breathe, sorry, you can choose to eat in a more optimal way, or you can choose to eat in a shit way. Now, I'm sure, and I'm not a nutritionist, so sorry if any nutritionists are listening, I'm sure you could survive on three slices of pizza and two donuts every day. You can survive, but it's not going to optimize your health. Mm. You know, you and I can survive by breathing in a dysfunctional way, but it's not going to optimize our health. Mm. So the more you can breathe in an optimal way, it can help optimize how you think, feel, act, and behave. I love that. It's such an important thing. And like you said, like we do it all day, every day, but doing it in a way that's actually beneficial for us is so important. That's why I think it's so awesome to see people like yourself who are not only educating on the breath work as a practice for the different benefits we get from that, but then also how to breathe correctly every single day of our life. Cause that's yeah, what we do all day, every day. And this is so much, and I appreciate you saying that. And this is so much of the work that I do with the athletes as well. When I work with athletes, we strip it right back to basics. You know, how are you, how are you walking before you're running? You know, so how are they breathing at rest mm. you know, during wakefulness and during sleep? Then we can move into more snazzy, trendy techniques. Like why, why go into something full on deep when you're not even doing the basics, right? Mm. You know, so, so, Start with the foundation, start with the basics, then like in, in athletic development, progressive overload, then mm. uh, in, increase intensity, duration, frequency, volume. 
What about for the person sitting there right now, driving in their car, and they're like, I don't really know if I'm breathing right or wrong. What are some of the symptoms of somebody who is breathing, let's say, incorrectly or not in a way that's beneficial or maximizing their um, yeah, their breath? Well, here's here's one. You know, if, if you're not if you're not driving, you can give us a go. But if if you're if you're driving, um, just keep the eyes open, please. But just you know, do a minute of breath awareness. So you can even do it now, Coops, as well. So just understanding how you're breathing in this moment is uh, is a key to development. So closing your eyes. Eyes are closed. We'll just do about one minute here. And as you're breathing in this moment, just noticing if you're breathing high into the chest or if you're breathing low into your belly. And just noticing if the breath feels fast or if the breath feels slow. Noticing if the breath gets stuck anywhere. Or if it feels smooth, regular, controlled. At the end of the exhale, do you notice a natural pause? Or is there a sense of urgency to bring the breath back in? Are you breathing through your nose or are you breathing through your mouth? And hopefully now you're understanding that there's a lot more to the breath than simply air in and air out. That's the best place to start. Breath mm. awareness. Amazing. So we went through a couple of things there. We've kind of touched on them already, but let's, I, mean, I guess you kind of already said slow, soft, deep yeah, light, down to your belly. Light, slow, and deep. LSD. Mm. Fun stuff. The other stuff. <laughs> yeah, LSD. And another thing that people often think about is often you can hear someone breathing beside you, but the breath should always be quiet. Mm. Always be quiet. Light, quiet, gentle, relaxed. You know, it shouldn't be, shouldn't be heavy. Yeah. Should be up chest, just relax. And even when you're running as well, I mean, when people are running, mm. I was, just break the marathon world record, um, breathing strictly nose breath the whole way. Like people trip on that, the chick, I'm pretty sure. Always, an always, always a note through the nose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's just like so interesting. And unless you get told that, and I feel like I kind of blab on it about it quite a bit in my podcast, but it's so important. It's so important that people start to continually get that information so then they can spread it to their community. Like you see a friend and they're breathing through their mouth, go, hey, you should look into why you should breathe through your nose. It's like, it's changed my life. Like I track all my sleep. And since taping my mouth shut, for one, I wake up with no claggy, shitty mouth, which is the worst. No bad breath, my girlfriend. (laughs) I can actually get a morning kiss when I peel the tape off. (laughs) But it's, um, yeah, it's scientifically, I track my sleep and it's improved my sleep like 10 to 12% most nights. So there's such a big impact. And one of the greatest things I learned, because I was like, oh, well, how's it going to really change? And I learned that when you're sleeping and you breathe through your mouth, even if it doesn't wake you up and you go, like, do this kind of weird catching your breath on your throat it jumps you out of like your REM sleep or out of your deep sleep, which is where we get our healing and you kind of have to start the sleep cycle again. So it's like these little things that you don't even realize that are happening are happening at every moment of every day. And the more that we can train this breath, the better off it is. What's your take on mouth taping and sort of sleeping at night, trying to get it through the nose? Yeah. It's, it's, it's life changing. Mm. We bang on about nasal breathing, nasal breathing, nasal breathing. And if you then have a choice of how you breathe for eight hours when you're in bed, you know, if you're breathing for eight hours in a dysfunctional suboptimal way through the mouth, you know, it's, it's detrimental to sleep apnea, you know, the, your, your sleep quality as well. It'll increase stress. You wake up with a dry mouth. You just feel horrible. You know, if, if a simple hack for no better word, a little tool just to tape your mouth closed, you know, it's life changing. And mm. the amount of 
individuals that I've spoken to about this who said to me, man, I, I didn't know it'd make that much of a difference. I'm blown away. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. And even spoke to a lady earlier this morning and she laughed. You know, I said, yeah, hey, everyone just, does. Just take your mouth. Just, ah, nah. I was like, no, no, I'm being serious. And this mm. is what I, I help people with this daily, you know, and give it a go and see how you feel. Mm. And that's why anyone listening, give it a go and see how you feel. This, I mean, you maybe not duct tape, but you can get like medical paper sort of tape. What sort of tape do you recommend? There's a lot of brands out there now that do it. I got given some recently that have like a hole in the mouth so you can still breathe through your mouth. Yeah, myotape is that one. There's another one, Somnifix is a good one. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'd recommend is if you're watching TV at night, you know, people listening, if you're watching TV at night, you know, put the tape over the mouth when you're awake so you can get used to it. So mm -hmm. you're breathing through your nose and finding a bit more comfort in it as opposed to lying down in your bed, closing your eyes, then putting the tape on because it can it's be a little bit, a bit strange yeah. at first. Yeah. So practice, you know, for an hour, practice. So put it on, practice it, uh, you know, before you go to bed, watching TV, take it off, do your teeth, get a little good night kiss, put it back on and then go to bed. Mm. Perfect little schedule. I think, um, yeah, anyone listening, that's like one of the simplest ways to kind of get a top, like just the biggest benefits without really having to do much. It's just literally taping your mouth. And I love that, man. It's, you know, minimal effective dose, right? Yeah. You know, least amount of effort for the most amount of gain and benefit. It's mm. not hard. It's not difficult. You know, we do enough hard things in life, enough stressful things. One little bit of tape over your, your lips to change your life the next day. Incredible. Yeah. If you do it and you're listening to this podcast right now, send me a photo um, to at Cooper Chapman. I'd love to see how silly you look because I do it every night and look really silly. But no, uh, get, it, get, it on the get it on the Instagram and tag us both. Yeah, tag us up. Put on your story and tag both myself and Rory. Both will be in the show notes to hear more about that. Another thing that I love talking about, we're going to come back to maybe a little bit of breath about what you got coming up and how people can get involved. I know you got some amazing tunes coming out, like you said before, with um one of the boys from Setmo. But another thing that you do that fascinates me is running. You're an ultra marathon runner. Ultra marathon for anyone listening who doesn't know what it is is hundred. I mean, just really long distance runs. Is anything over a marathon? Anything over a marathon is an ultra. Tell me what got you into running. What get what do you get out of running? And then let's talk about one or two of the races that you've been on and the challenges you face. Because I know you did like a crazy five day long one or something in Chile or something mm, crazy. Yeah, two hundred fifty k. Yeah, two hundred fifty. Yeah, far out. So yeah, tell me about what got you into running. What's it? What draws you to it? Back in twenty twenty during COVID, I, I was running five k, ten k here and there, nothing hectic. I, uh, and I was posting on Instagram about nasal breathing whilst running. A running coach who followed me, who is also based in Bondi, uh, messaged me saying, I like what you're talking about. There's a lot of science in this. I've been doing research too. Do you want to grab a coffee and chat about it? I was like, yeah, cool. Let's talk about nasal breathing. So we hung out. And then he told me he was running this this uh, 100-kilometer race in the Blue Mountains outside of Sydney. I thought, wow, this is amazing. Like, you sound like you sound crazy. And he said, well, why don't you do it as well? I said, I couldn't do that. I've only ran a half marathon in, in Brighton in the UK. I wouldn't be able to run 100 kilometers. You know, I'll coach you, you know, coach you for three or four months and, and you'll do it. Three or four months later, I ran my first 100 kilometer race. I fell in love with it. Uh, it was about 14 hours, about 13 and a half hours, running from daylight to darkness to the, into, the, into the night, head torch on. One of the most uh, uh, challenging but euphoric days of my life. I remember on the car on the way home, you know, I thought it was going to be ticking a box. You know, I ran an ultramarathon, that's tick the box, swam with sharks, all the rest of it. Um, but then, you know, on the car, in the car on the way home, I was looking at more races. 
I said, you know, I could, I could probably do this. So, you know, I ran 100 kilometers through Blue Mountains. I ran 50 kilometers. I ran Bondi to Manly, Bondi to Pami. I ran 250 kilometers through the Atacama Desert. Tell me about that. We're not just going to skip over a 250 yeah. kilometer one in the Atacama Desert. Where's the Atacama Desert? How did that race come about? And what did the prep look like? Because we were talking about it um, at Riggs before and you were saying I could only have, because doing that, you can got to run and you're not like sleeping just in a hotel in a nice with your travel bag. You got to run with what you're going to survive on for a week. So yeah, tell me about that race. What, um, what, how you met, found out about it, what the training looked like. And then, yeah, that race took me through a few of those days. Yeah. I mean, to, to give the background. So it's a, it's a six day self-sufficient 250 kilometer foot race through the, the Atacama desert in Chile. So it's, you know, I think I got to minus five during the night and 40 degrees during the day. So cold, frozen, cold nights and then very hot days. Uh, the first day is at altitude as well. So that's pretty challenging. Day one, my bag weighed about 14, 15 kilos. Um, the prep was about four months of just training hard and loads of running. Obviously, sleep was a big part uh, of my recovery for all the obvious reasons. Um, and I didn't know what to expect. You know, I went in blind and never ran a multi-day race like this. Uh, I think there's about 200 people racing and end up coming, coming about 11th in it. Um, so I think that was, uh, that, that solidified that I could do this and that I could actually compete to a decent level, but I don't do this. I don't do this for anyone else. I think to go back to one of your questions mm -hmm. earlier where, you know, why, why I run is, um, you know, so much in life we're in our own heads, right? You know, what was the stat you said earlier? Coops about, um, how many, 6, how many, 000 thoughts a day, 75% are generally negative, 95% are generally repetitive. Yeah. So I reckon a lot more of my thoughts are negative and more than 75%. Oh mate, like I, I'm a complete arsehole to myself, you know, and, and one of the only times that I feel strong, I feel empowered. I feel capable and worthy in, in, in this life in the world is when I prove to myself that I can, you know, and training my ass off for a race then when i finish the race you know it's not me against anyone else i don't care about anyone else it's me against me knowing that i can do what i've set out to do so that's why i do it it's, it's all mental it's all for strengthening my resilience and to to prove to myself that i uh, that i am worthy wow so six day race you come 11th what was the hardest moment give me a give me a moment where you're like fuck this because i mean it's hard now you look at like the ned brockman journey and stuff and you're yeah, I've read his book. I read that book in a couple of days, like listening to the what he went through. It's obviously a little bit of a different scale and a different journey, but six-day race by yourself, all self-sufficient. Like do you sleep in a swag on the side of wherever you feel like going to sleep and then wake up early to like start running? Do you have a set finish time, set wake up time? Like what does it look like? So you run camp one to camp two. Okay. Uh, then everyone's starts at the same time eight in the morning from camp two you run to camp three everyone starts at the same time so your your time is calculated throughout the, the, okay. the stages it's all staged yeah, yeah um but because i've done you know multi-day races and you know i, I know ned and uh you know it, it makes me respect people that do these sort of challenges so much more you know for on day three you know you asked about my most challenging time or, or the hardest part day three i woke up in the tent uh, not woke up sorry i was lying in the tent the sun was coming in i was absolutely boiling you couldn't i can't hide you know, I can't hide from it so it's just boiling you know what it's like when the sun's on a tent mm. and i lay there i was waiting you know we share a tent with eight other people so you, you got all these other randomers that you've never met and you're sleeping in a tent with it's a bit stranger as well 
I was lying there and then I had a bit of a wobble. I don't think I cried, but I had a bit of a wobble thinking, the fuck are you doing, man? Like, you know, this, it was September last year. You know, it's coming into summer. All your mates are just chilling in Bondi, chilling in Australia. And here's you flying to Chile on your own to run through the desert for six days. Like, what are you doing? And I remember I was just lying there. I was like, you are honestly, you've lost your mind. And that, that was the most challenging part, you know, just because um, it was so confronting. It was mm-hmm. so new. It was, it was hard. It was, ch- it was effort. Waking up uh, in the morning, it's freezing cold, having to go out to just port a loot and do your business, you know, eating, you know, rations. Like, you know, all we got was was uh, hot water, cold water in a tent. So everything in my bag were these like kind of sachets. So you got boiling water, you pour it in and you just kind of eat, eat that two meals a day, 800 cows per meal. So you eat 1,600 cows plus gels plus all the rest of it. So just confronting, mm. you know. Now, I'm, a, I'm passionate about doing hard things because the life that we live is very comfortable a lot of the time. Um, and I think doing hard things makes us more resilient mm. and stronger. And that's why I keep trying to find, you know, more exciting races. Plus to run in fun places. Mm. And then you, you ask, what well, kind of why Chile and how do you find it? You know, I, I have a long list of, of these different races all over the world. You know, I'm racing next year in, in Utah in the US, 100 kilometers, racing 200 kilometers in the you know, just, just off the border of China as well. So just finding these amazing, cool places that I want to go visit um, and just try and, try and live a big life. Mate, it just fascinates me. Like, getting to travel and do that is, like, one thing, but people go on holidays to go and relax and to go and chill out and you're just going on these holidays to go and run for ages and just build differently. But I respect it so much. I think it gives such... Just gives you purpose, gives you something to work towards. And I feel like as much as we're both hustling and got businesses we're trying to build and help people, it's doing something for yourself. And to be honest, I feel like that's something I'm really missing. And we're talking about that earlier today. I was like, you know what? I need to sign up for something next year that's going to give me a bit of something to work towards. Is that a big reason why for you to keep you focused on a purpose and something bigger than yourself? Massively. Bro, like, yeah, it's huge. You know, so much of my work is, and you know, you can probably relate to this. So much of our work is giving to others, which I love. But you know, I've got to fill my cup too. Mm. You know, if I if I don't fill my cup and make sure that I'm okay and I'm happy and healthy, then how can I provide to other people? Mm. And running is that purpose, you know. And I don't want to. I don't want to drink all the time. I don't want to go out late. And when I have a strict schedule, I'm working with my coach. You know, knowing what days I'm running, how far I have to run each run, what is the intent, the purpose of each run. You know, I'm focused. And I'm mm. fucking dialed in, and I'm. I'm sorry if I can't swear. You can swear. And, <laughs> and you know, and I'm just laser focused, and I love that. I find that so exciting. Mm. You know, to to put all your effort into this 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 competition that you have coming up. You know, three months. You know, can't. You know, yes, the the race is one part of it, but the training is is a huge part of it, mm. and it's sacrifice. You know, the bigger the sacrifice, the bigger the reward. Mm. You know, how much am I willing to sacrifice? Social events, you know weddings or birthdays whatever it is because i have to focus and i have to i have to race yeah i think it's really cool so the big question is what race am i signing up to next year what's something what, is there something towards the end of next year that i could like work towards or when's the blue mountains on man that's in may i think it's the 9th or 10th of may let's do the 10th of may it's my birthday is it yeah bro we're in so I'm, yeah, if it's I'm, the 10th of May, I'll lock it in with you and we'll run a hundred miles, well, no, 100 no, no, or you're away. No, I've done, I've done a hundred. I've done the 50. So I'm going to do the 20 this year. So I've done all three races, but you have to do the hundred. 
Oh, okay. Well, you can do a hundred because I think it's two days after, oh, and okay. I, I can I can crew you. Oh, okay. So I can be at every checkpoint for you. Oh, uh, I see. And then I can help you, and I can give you your fuel, and I can just make sure you're good. All right, let's do it. I'll hold you. I'll, no, I'll hold you, man. Yeah, yeah you hold me too, but the mate. podcast will hold me accountable. Wait, so yeah, what about training? 100K in May. 100K in May. Let's on my go. birthday. Let's go. 30th birthday. New chapter. Mate, this is 30. big. You're going to cry. I am going to cry. Mate, it'll be big. I'm scared. I'm pumped for What's the training look like? Give me some, Give me a bit of a... Heads up, what does my next six months look like if I want to do a hundred K without killing myself? I mean, I did the I ran the marathon at Gold Coast with zero yeah. training the next day and got through it. What does it look like? What's the difference between a hundred? It's obviously a completely different beast to running a marathon. What um yeah, what's my next six months of training gonna look like? Well key part of the hundred K in the Blue Mountains Nutrition. is also is also elevation. elevation. It's five K of elevation. So, so, so a lot of it is just like hiking and hills. You know, the last little push, the last kilometer is 900 stairs. Oh, that so sounds it's brutal. getting it's brutal. out of the last you know, you know, it sounds, sounds obvious, but just building your load over time, you know, so start running 10K a week to 15K to 20K, you know, start trying to do 80K weeks and you know, work with a coach. I'll put you in touch with my coach, who's great. Okay. I'm sure you, you know people as well, but having a structure and, and being disciplined on that, you know, and, you know, you're an athlete. The more you practice, the more you train, the more you'll enjoy that day. Yeah. If you don't train, the day is going to be brutal and it, yeah. will not, um, it won't be fun. So what's the goal to get up to 80K weeks right before? 80K weeks. Is what you want to sort of get yeah. to up until. Yeah. Up until. And then you're, you're, just, you're conditioning the body, you're conditioning tapering. the joints, conditioning the tendons, the ligaments, the muscles. And you'll enjoy it, man. Like okay. it, it's such an experience. All right, mate. It's therapy. What? It's almost exactly six months to train for it. A week away from six months. I reckon, I reckon, you know, start running a little bit to build a base, build yeah. your aerobic base a little bit more than it already is, and then go pretty intense for, for three to four months. Yeah. And you'll crush it. What, just try and do like two or three 10K runs a week for the next month or two and then build it up to two yeah. or three, feel like three or four 10Ks a week and build it up to well, you'll do three some, or four 15s. Well, you do, yeah. I mean, but you'll do some shorter runs, you know, some 30 minute runs, then you'll do maybe a 45 minute run. Then, you know, on the weekend, you'll do a half marathon, 30K runs. On the weekend, yeah. you know, before I ran a 100-kilometer race, the furthest I'd ran in training was 45K. Okay. So I only ran up to 45K. Yeah. But just, you know, I was running maybe five times in the week. Uh, and I was running, say, 45K on a Saturday. Then I'd run a half marathon on the Sunday. So you knew how to So you kind of go back to back. And, you, you know, I'd, I could run, you know, like a marathon on, on Saturday and in the mountains, a trail, and then wake up on Sunday and feel good. Wow. All right. Just because your your body's conditioned to it, right? Okay. All right. There's funny a... if you train and your body gets used to it. Yeah, I know. Far out. I'm used to just like, oh, let's see how we go. But all right, everyone listening, you're going to be my training buddies. I'll do a podcast a week and I'll let you know what training I've been doing and what it takes to... Fuck, I'm so scared. <laughs> about I shouldn't do this live on no, podcast. I, love it. I did I, this I, last year and said I'll go sober for a year and I did that. So my new challenge, I'm going to run a 100-kilometer race on my birthday. And I'm going to, on, on the podcast, I'm going to hold you accountable that... When you sign up, you have to screenshot the sign up and then put it on your Instagram. Okay. So everyone can see it. All right. Done. As long as I, I mean, it's my birthday, so I'm sure I'll have something on. But no, <laughs> I, I love that. Thank you for the motivation. I'll do it. Yes, man. I'll do it. I'm pumped. But man, we're getting pretty close to wrapping this thing up. What have you got coming up? What's um, what's exciting? What's the future look like for you? More races, building the breath work. Um, what else you got coming up? 
Yeah, you know, most of my, my time has been with, with corporates, with athletes and medical clinics, you know, with community at, at uh, yoga, Pilates, gyms, just supporting people through breathwork sessions, you know, traveling around Australia doing the keynotes as you and I spoke about. Um, I'm writing a book at the moment as well. So that'll be coming out hopefully next year at some point. Uh, all around breathwork for mental health, physical health, well-being and overall daily performance, cognitive performance, physical performance. Um, working with Stu Turner, you know, one half of Setmo in the studio to create these these breathwork tracks that we're launching as EPs on Spotify. So you know, a lot of excited things, and then these races going to the US and then going to going to China as well. So yeah, just trying to to add some positivity into the world, add some value, support people through breathwork, and uh, and keep living a wild and wacky life for for Mister Warner. Mate, I love it. Where can if anyone wants to say do one of your sessions, book you in to come and speak in there. Uh, corporate group run one of your breathwork sessions what's the best spot to connect with you and do you do you do i've done them with you but you do like community things that you can just sign up to and do like virtual breathwork sessions as well yeah i do, I do sporadic online free sessions you know just where people from all over the world can jump on and we all just breathe together um but the best place is, is rory warnock underscore r-o-r-y-w-a-r-n-o-c-k underscore is my instagram and then my my website is rorywarnock.com and email is rory at rorywarnock.com so Amazing. Yeah, if you want to do corporate sessions, community sessions, if they have a gym, a yoga studio, whatever it may be, just ping me a, a message on Instagram, ping me a message in the, my, my email and let's let's chat. Amazing. Yeah, I'll have all that stuff in the show notes anyway. And hopefully we're going to, once we jump off this podcast, talk about hopefully under the good human umbrella, people can find some of the stuff you do as well. So if we want to get you out to yeah, some more schools and stuff, I just think it's so valuable, this stuff. Like, yeah. like we've gone on throughout this podcast, we all breathe every single day, but we can all get better at it. And it's a constant journey. It's a constant trying to find little new ways that work better for you, what breath work works for you best, what breathing works best for you, and just trying to get the most out of ourselves, which I love. But, man, it's been great to rewind back, get to know the story, learn a bit more about the upbringing and what brought you over here and, yeah, what makes you the man you are today. But the last question I do finish every Good Humans podcast with is the same for everyone. I'm excited to hear your answer for this. What does being a good human mean to Rory Warnock? A good human to me is someone who is true to themselves, uniquely authentic, will be vulnerable, open, but adds value. Mm. You know, I think uh, that word is often front of mind to me, value. You know, how can I, I help people in the world? And I feel hopefully I am a good human as well. So yeah, someone, someone who's uniquely authentic, who's themselves and someone who can add value. Mate, I absolutely love that. Beautifully put. As I said, I'll put it all in the show notes. Go check out Rory's stuff. I'm um yeah excited to continue our friendship, but also hopefully continue doing some work stuff together in the future. Today was epic doing Mindful Mornings with a rapper. We're going to be bringing more of them. So keep an ear out and an eye out on both of our socials and drink a rapper heading into next year. We're going to be doing definitely some more of these mindful mornings where people can come see myself and Rory in action doing some guided mindfulness, gratitude and breathwork sessions. So follow both of us on socials. That'll all be coming to you all next year. But mate, thank you so much for jumping on Good Humans Podcast. Thank you, brother. Pleasure. Got it done. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.